Welcome back. Behind the Badge, new episode. Me and the professor here. And listen, we're going to get right into it. This, I, I sent you a text earlier about what happened yesterday. And this city is just, I, I'm sorry, I think it's done. I don't, th- I don't think there's really any coming back until everybody in the city stops worrying about who they vote for, whether it's Democrat or Republican, and they all come together as one and vote one as one and get new leadership in here from the mayor down to the street commissioner. What happened yesterday is just another example of senseless, outrageous violence. And it's happening because nobody is afraid to commit the said violence. There was a shooting outside Lincoln High School in the Mayfair section of Philadelphia. Uh, I actually used to live less than a mile from there. Uh, We moved out in 2014 because we saw the writing on the wall. And this is school is notorious for having multiple fights, shootings, all kinds of nonsense there all the time. But what happened yesterday is beyond acceptable. This is something that changes need to be made off of this tragedy. What happened was students get out and when they get out of school, it is a shit show just to, you know, every time, every day at two thirty, three o'clock when they get out, there's undercover cops, there's marked cops. And like any other, you know, event filled day at Lincoln high school, they get out and a kid comes up Start shooting another. Well, let me rephrase that. It was a 21-year-old man comes up, starts shooting a six, at a 16-year-old kid who was in a beef with the 21-year-old guy, his 16-year-old um, brother. So he goes and he starts you know, laying around, starts firing, and hits the kid in the back of the head who um, is currently in critical condition. But from what my sources told me that it's... Uh, not looking like he's going to survive. So here's another kid that we talked about with Seth Williams last week. Another kid killed in the city of Philadelphia. Now, that's tragic enough. But what else happened during that um, that shooting was an innocent man was killed. He was sitting at the red light, going home, minding his own business, and caught a stray bullet. He died. I know the guy. I know I coached his granddaughter for years. I know the family. Good people would sit in the outfield, cheer their kid, and it it, it couldn't happen. You know, to it's just I can't believe. You know, when you watch the news and you see this shit happening. You can't. I can't believe that it's it, it happened so often, so frequently, that it hasn't hit home by now. Right, but now it's like God. I know, now I know what that little. I know what that little girl's yeah. going through right now. But, She's probably but, heartbroken, like, destroyed. I sent a text to her dad. You know, like yeah, we're all thinking about you. He wrote back, thanks, but I didn't want to talk to him. But this is you like know. Seth said last week, man. I mean, this stuff becomes so commonplace that it's not even news anymore. 
right? I mean, what's this, a slightly different twist? How many kids are killed there? How many senseless murders do we see? And people still play party politics and, and can't get behind change. I mean, I, I don't know what you've heard about. Have you seen this new PBS documentary on Larry Krasner? I refuse to watch it. I won't watch anything with him because, uh, I, I, and I'm, I know you want to get into it. The There's a lady in his office, and I'm sure you know who it is, who came in to be ahead of, like, the innocent project of the district attorney's office, basically freeing people that yeah. shouldn't be in jail, which is great. Sure. Um, yeah, the problem was, and you, I, I, her name escapes me right now, but the problem was she was a part of one of the most injust, injustice of all time when it came to a kid um, who was put away for raping somebody he was babysitting. That never mm-hmm. happened. The kid spent years of his life in jail, ruined his life, had a chance for like football. He was a great football player. Mm-hmm. Going to college, had all the, you know, his dreams lining up, and some kid, you know, makes this false allegation against him. It was at a daycare, and it, they hired her to help this kid, but she never told anyone that she had a conflict of interest because she was friends with the daycare owner and kind of mm-hmm. just pled, led him towards, uh, you know, pleading guilty, and and he was ultimately um, convicted, but then eventually I, I, it was overturned. You know, I'll you tell know you, I'll tell you this. No, I don't know her name, but I mean, I'll tell you this. I'm going to look reason, it up while you're talking. The, the reason why people like Krasner continue to win, I mean, again, one part is party politics. The other is a propaganda machine. Um, you know, look, I'm in I'm in Northwest Ohio. I'm nowhere near you right now. I teach a class with the local prison, and this is insane. Um, this is a bit called, class is called Inside Out, right? So it's a, a, a class that brings together students and inmates, essentially. Usually we're in the prison. And usually it's a pretty cool class. It's a great experience for the, the students who want to work in criminal justice, kind of meet people that are actually in the system. Cool thing. Um, started in Philly at Temple University. So yesterday I got an email from the National Association saying that they're doing a great screening and a panel on this PBS documentary on Larry Krasner. And I almost like fell out of my seat. Like, what? It's the not hell? the first. Well, here's the crazy thing. And of course, you know, like all these things, the whole panel is people that were formerly incarcerated or far left academics, right? So there's not even remotely a voice that would offer even a moderate opinion on whether he's good or he's bad. And I just saw like, oh God, this is gonna be a shit show. Uh, I get to my prison class the evening and I'm asked, they know him from Philly. So they're asking about Larry Krasner, this great PBS documentary that said he's so progressive. Everybody just dislikes him because he's progressive and all this stuff. And I was kind of saying, you know, he's one of the most divisive people in Philly. There's plenty of people that hate the guy. Now, I'm sure there's some people that like him as well. But it's just like, you know, it's insane, the propaganda propaganda machine that's out there. I mean, you see them doing it with Fauci. They do it with whoever their idols are at the moment. And they're holding up Krasner as kind of, you know, the hero of the progressive left when it comes to um, court reform and prison reform and all that stuff. And I just thought to myself, this is why they win, because it's constant Bob you know, bombardment of these lies. And if you don't know any better and you don't really look into it further, you probably watch PBS. You'd say, hey, they're a pretty reliable source, right? And you'll take it hook, line, and sinker. And you think Larry Krasner is the second coming of Jesus. It's insane. All right. I think I found her. What's her name? Yeah, this is her. Patrick Cummings. Patricia Cummings. Oh, thank you. Okay. Patrick Cummings played yeah, for the I'm Knicks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Patricia Cummings. And... I'm trying to look it up real quick. Okay, they're just talking about a case in which 
she um, helped somebody get cleared here in Philly. So right. she came from. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up while, you know, while we continue here. So, well, I mean, look, I mean, ha- listen, this is nothing new. We like people that have <laughs> have done uh, injustices in office all the time. Well, look here's the stuff the, Kamala Harris did, man, withholding information, keeping people in prison. It's crazy. The the problem in Philly right now is that there's nobody afraid of committing a crime. They're just not afraid to do it. And what they're doing now, what Krasner is doing, he just had a um, a press conference the other day talking about, oh, the judges aren't um, holding these people accountable. They're the ones letting them out. Now, he's now, not even charging them. Well, here's the problem. So this is this is the strategy. And I don't want anyone to be fooled by this. I worked in the courts. I know what they're doing. Hell, we even used to think about this. We may not be able to convict somebody on a crime that, that maybe they're guilty of, but we'll throw them in jail on our bench warrant for a couple days, and that there alone is a mini little punishment. Sure. What he's trying to do is have the courts be the bad guy because, again, he ran on reform. He ran on, I am not going to just put every black man in jail. Right, but here, I mean, you're missing the key part, though, right? I mean, the judges don't even have a say in the matter if he refuses well, hold on. to prosecute, here's the, here's right? I mean, here, it's crazy. Here it is. But here's where everybody has the eyes on it, is when you're first arrested and you're going for that bail, it's fresh in everybody's mind, he'll ask for an astronomical amount that he knows the judges can't enforce because it will be immediately repealed a week later at their next bail hearing. So what he does is he pushes all in and makes it on the judge to make this the decision, knowing the judge can't, one, can't uh, um, approve that bail, and two, they can't comment on it. You know, why he or she didn't do this as a judge. They're not allowed to comment on anything. So he goes in with this high number, knowing the judge is going to go lower. They're not going to be able to give that high number unless it's a murder one, which is automatic no bail, because that's what the law states. So they go in, all these guys get get out, they get bailed out, and then they go to court, and he withdraws these fucking cases. Well, wait, wait a minute, though. I mean, the judges are free to set the 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 bail or whatever they like. I mean, right, he, doesn't we, do what, he doesn't have to do what Krasner says. I understand, but he's going so there asking, to do that, asking for 999000 I get that you be lowballing them, right. And then you know, when they come back and say twenty five. No, they come or? back at like a quarter of a million, you know? Well. I, I get that then. So, I mean, it's dirty pool if he's right. trying to he's, make them if when he should be going in, when he should be going in asking for probably quarter of a million. Now the mm-hmm. law needs to change on its in its own there, and that needs to get settled another way. Well, I mean, but it's you generally have bail schedules, right? So right. you know, it's, it's kind of like a range, and then you can adjust accordingly as as necessary. Right. You you worked in there. I mean, you remember you were a bail interviewer yeah. before you became a warrant officer. I mean, yeah, it was the greatest job ever. It was okay. Here it is. It's the Greg Kelly case. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I, there's a documentary about it. You got to watch it. It's absolutely in fucking sane what they did to this kid. What this lady helped in doing oh, to is this, this kid. Is this the one where they stuck stuff up his butt and all this like terrible stuff to him? Uh, I don't is know that, if anything happened. No, I don't think anything happened to him physically. It was... All right. I'm thinking of something else. I thought it was where a group attacked the guy and like physically tortured him and all. What are you saying? She was a lawyer for it? Let me get it. Let me. um, It's some research we should have done ahead of time. 
Yeah, it ju- <laughs> well, I just thought of it when you said the um, PBS Warmer thing. Texas standout. Okay. All right. In August 2013, Greg Kelly, an outstanding football athlete, was arrested on a campus of his high school in you know in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was charged with sexually assaulting a four-year-old boy at a daycare operated in Cedar Park, the home of a family friend with whom Kelly was living with. So he was living with these people. They said he, um, you know, sexually assaulted this kid. The, 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 the um, documentary goes into it. It's called Outcry. It's a documentary. Five-part. Outcry? What's that on? On Showtime. Outcry. Um, I have to wait till I can find that on the yeah. one of European sites for free. I pay for Showtime. So, I'm just I'm going through it really quick, trying to see. But what her okay, long before her corrupt prosecutorial misconduct in the Kelly case, and before two, or 2019, Duty there was another district attorney involved as well. Um, go ahead and read that or watch that documentary. And uh, yeah, and and here it is. What did the surprise and laundry listen to Patricia Cummings, who gained professional distinction? And this was outcry by Kelly's post conviction as shameful, obvious. She was, you know, she had, you know, a, a conflict of interest in the case because she was, um, you know, she was friends with the people. So, I, you know, this kid hires her to save him and. All the while, she should have, you know, brought up the fact that she had something to do with the family. Watch it. It's called Outcry. I'm not giving it any justice, but this poor kid was railroaded. Point B, you bring up Larry Krasner. He hires her to come be the, you know. Oh, it seems like a perfect individual for him, isn't it? In the (laughs) integrity unit of the district attorney's office, which is ironic because after you watch this documentary, you could see she has zero of any of that. Mm -hmm. It's just. I, it's was just there wrong. any was there any pushback on her getting hired or what? Well, she was already here. I think she left. I think she's gone. Um, I do believe a few people brought it up to Krasner once they aired. Yeah, and you know, he, I stand by her. Blah blah blah. And she, she wound up hanging on the wall. Wound up staying around for a little bit. I think she just recently left. I I don't know. I, I it, it's it's an outrage, but. Watching the news, watching what's going on every day, you're seeing shootings. I mean, even Philly PD are releasing videos of people being shot, Yeah, which is not normal. Philly usually doesn't do that. You know, Philly doesn't usually put out the crime scene um, video. They're putting that out a lot more. They're trying. I'll give it to them. They are trying. The incompetence of the police commissioner and the nonsense she brings is also part of the problem. Uh, there was an incident, I don't know if you heard about this out where you're at. This is crazy. On the L, so the L yeah, is our yeah, elevated yeah, train. I heard. Okay. This is nuts. So in Philadelphia, there's a the L runs from Bridge and Pratt all the way to 69th Street in Upper Darby. Goes through Center City. It goes through Frankfurt, Kensington. Oh, oh width of the city, essentially. Basically. Uh, through uh, Kensington, Fish t- Park, well, whatever you call Fishtown, North Philly, whatever. Fancy Kensington. Fancy Kensington. Through Center City, through West Philly, out to Upper Darby. There was a guy on there raping a girl. 
for, I believe it was upwards of 50 minutes. Five zero? 53 minutes, I believe, is the official time. People were on the train videoing it, you know, not helping or not calling 911. So halfway in between, apparently a septa worker calls the cops and says, hey, you know, something's going on here. And instead of, because there's no septa police anywhere to be found ever, they wait until it rolls into the 69th Street uh, depot. The police come on and the guy's still fucking raping her. Wow. And these morons at septa, the spokesperson, the chief, this dude is a complete ass clown. If you ever want to see someone mm-hmm. who is super trooper and should not have a badge, it's this dude. But he yeah. toes the party line when it comes to anything. He'll throw his own cops under the bus. He will hurt anybody to st- save himself. They are on there doing a press conference, uh, I believe it was yesterday, how this was the fault of the people. Jesus. It wasn't their fault. There was people there. They should have helped. They should have I mean, jumped in. Listen, citizens aren't required to intervene in protecting your train, right? I mean, you work for them. It's your job to keep the passengers safe. No citizen is obliged to jump in and do anything. And then she now, goes, morally should you, of course, but I mean, right. it's his job and he's failed. Fuck him. Here you dude. go. And she, go, and she goes on to say, there's 26,000 cameras. We're going to catch you if you do something. Those 26,000 cameras didn't help that fucking girl. Well, 53 minutes? Where was your cameras? All your camera is is evidence down the road if we're lucky enough to find you. Right. Is there somebody monitoring it? Well, precisely. No. I mean, and if there are, how many cameras are there? You probably have somebody asleep like you used to have at the the radio dispatch, you know? Sure. It's like their argument was blame everybody else. That dude should be fired because there is just a shit ton of nonsense that comes from this guy and the cover-ups that he does. Um, you know, it, it, it's sickening. There's a guy on Twitter. He's a I mean, great I, follow. Yeah. He has, it's an inside person. So this yeah. guy's getting video from the inside and he'll mm-hmm. distribute it. And we talked about a couple of SEPTA driver or SEPTA security people punching people for no reason yeah. a few episodes back. Well, he's getting all these videos and he's dumping them and the media has to take notice. Like they're finally saying, okay, this, this, and this. But this, this chief um, continues yeah. to fucking just get get through this. I don't know how. The fact that we're in a city right now where a girl can be raped for nearly an hour on a train and people rather video it and not step in to help and a police chief or whatever his real position is doesn't have anybody to protect her or any other passenger on that train at any given time just shows that this city is collapsing. It's over. If you can afford to leave, you are crazy for not for not doing so. I feel bad for everybody that can't, but mark my words, I'm fucking gone. Yeah, I figured this out 13 years ago, my brother. Now, you were ahead of the curve, but then again, you, you move away. You're, you're like a, a gypsy. You move like 800 times. So, I just keep trying to leave Philly and keep whining going back. <laughs> but just think about it, man. Well, uh, why would the you kids, stay there? You buy your house; it's worth less the year than the, you know the next year. Your kids aren't safe at school. You're going to get taxed into oblivion. Why would you stay there? I, I just it doesn't even make uh, sense. crazy enough. The house value in Philly's skyrocketing for I, I I don't know who or why, but 
you know, it's, well, it, you know, why? Like, we generally. talked about right, it before. I mean, it's well, think about the, our parents' homes. Think about our parents' homes, what they paid for those and what they sold them for. Right. After they, after they destroy your neighborhood. So it might go up short term. We were, but once they decide they're going to destroy your neighborhood, I mean, when I left Mayfair was kind of like a nice place to be. Right. Yeah. Mayfair and, was. And now we have this drama in Mayfair, which is now not a nice day. I remember kind of buying, Kensington and went up there in 2002. I believe we bought our house in Mayfair. And I remember we paid eighty two thousand dollars for it. And I was so furious. I'm like, eighty two thousand. How the fuck are we paying eighty? I want to live. You know, I want to live up in, you know, Bucks County for eighty two thousand, which we could yeah. have. But mm-hmm. I was working for the city. Got to stay inside city limits. So I had to stay in the city, or I was getting a job with the city. So I had to stay in the city. And, you know, we wound up selling it for a buck sixty in 2014. Mm-hmm. The same houses on my block are going for nearly 300. Mm-hmm. Had I stayed, I, I would have walked out with a quarter million dollars, but then I would have had to pay, you know, outrageous money for anywhere else I went. It, it's crazy. That the house, well, you know, the house market still. But they'll, still but they'll destroy like this too when they decide whatever the next place they're going to gentrify and buy up is. Everybody who can't afford it's going to move up to these neighborhoods, and it's just going to get worse. It's a it's a circle, man. It happens all the time. I can't understand how how this. And here's the crazy part about the Lincoln incident. Okay, mm-hmm. this guy and his name is Jeff Carter, by the way. Yeah, it was his um, sixty-six-year-old grandfather. I saw yep. him in the news. There, it's terrible. I co- like I said, I coached his daughter Elise, his um, her dad Dave. I, you know, I, I exchange a quick text with them. These are people that do nothing wrong to anybody. You know, that all they're about is their kids and their sports. For that to happen, it, it's so outrageous. But what's even more frustrating when you watch it or when you um, go to the neighborhood and you look around, Lincoln High School got rebuilt. It is a beautiful high school that should have been torn down and just leveled and never should have. This is a new problem at Lincoln. This has been going on for a decade plus with all the problems, with all the trouble in that school. So their solution was to rebuild it, make this giant, beautiful, up-to-date school, which they recently did. Now they're building brand new baseball field, softball field, football stadium. They are dumping so much money into this school, and the same thing is going to come out of the school. Kids out on the corner at the pizza shop at Roland and um, Ryan and Roland. Mm -hmm. They're going to sit out there right after school. They're going to fight. They're going to shoot. They're going to run through the neighborhoods as they all, you know, crawl back home and destroy everything in its path. It's outrageous that the city's dumping so much money into this land, into this school, and the same results come out of this school. Punk kids who think they're gangsters. And they go around and they ruin the neighborhood. They are ruining that neighborhood. They have been for a while. And an innocent man was fucking killed yesterday. And a kid is going to probably, you know, um, be a a statistic after a couple days as well. It's just insane. And what? What the fuck could they have possibly been fighting about that? I had to kill somebody. Think about all the shit we did growing up. Okay? Everybody, think about it. We're in our 40s. We all hung out. We all hung out in different um, neighborhoods when we grew up. We, we, we stayed in our neighborhood. There was yeah. the Moss guys. There was the Whisk guys. Whitehall. There was Whitehall. There was the Benners. You know what? And let me say this about Whitehall. So we lived 
three blocks, one, two, three blocks yeah. of Whitehall projects. And we would go down. At Whitehall projects has a massive field, wide yeah, open area. Harding, behind Harding High right. School, or Middle School. Behind Harding Middle School, right on um, that Wakeling. Wakeling Street, yeah. So we would go down every single Saturday or Sunday during football season, and we would play. And it would be all of us who majority were white against all the guys from Whitehall, majority black. Like Mike Jackson, his brother, um, I forget his brother's name. There was never any. Big Tone. Big Tone, it was cool. We never once had a single fight in the, what, 10 years that we probably played those games? Yeah. We probably played 200 times easily. Never once did we ever have an issue. Well, and with, there would be guns there. I mean, when we're playing right, football, there were guns the, there on the sideline. No drama, no nothing. A couple of them were big-time drug dealers down there. But the point <laughs> was, nothing ever happened. We played. There were some hard hits. There were some blowouts. There were some hurt egos. Yeah. We there never some big hits. Big hits. We never had a Whatever. fucking problem. We all remained cool. Never had an issue. We would go into our own neighborhood, and we would walk up two blocks yeah. the wrong way, yeah, you're and the next thing you know, trouble. we're in another neighborhood of white guys, and we're all battling each other, brawling. Dude, getting, I think or getting people killed. outside of Philly, people out of, outside of Philly don't understand that, because all the time people will say to me, like, you know, you grew up in Philly, like, oh, did you go here and here and here? And I was like, no. No, you couldn't go there. And they're like, well, did you go to this and this? I said, no, I mean, I probably went like, I don't know, maybe like a six block radius of my house or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you stay. I mean, you had, what was it? Um, Tacconi boys. There were, yeah. uh, uh, I don't even was remember. 09 or something. 09. Yeah. yeah. Like B&T. All, all these different B&T, areas. Moss. Yeah. Uh, GBC. All these gang little. Yeah. Yeah. And it all was, was us. It was it was a group Not of people. Not the Granite Street like Posse. Yeah, of course. Right. We were the Granite Street Posse. Everybody had crazy, <laughs> ridiculous names. Oh we watched God. Boys in the Hood or something. We all watched Boys in the Hood. Warriors. And it was all of us <laughs> fucking with each other. But. Yeah. With that said, the worst it was was an ass whooping, for no reason. Well, look, now be fair. There was some a couple murders back then, if you remember, right? I mean, it was a uh, was it Eddie Pollock who got killed? They got beat up by them kids over by the high school, and um, the guy who went to my high school got killed as well. So I mean, Sean, there was some violence. Sean Daly, was, right? Yeah, yeah, Daly. But there wasn't the guns that you have now. I mean, it, and, there, it was well. Well, it was here's a little different. well. Here's what's different about then and today. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be the old guys yelling it was better in the old days. You know what I mean? Well, no, but here's the thing. So a 16-year-old kid is probably going to die um, mm-hmm. from Lincoln High School. All right? There's not going to be an uproar about it. There's not going to be a, a big protest. When when the person you're talking about, Sean Daly, uh, and, I'll, and I'll go through these yeah. two stories separately. Sean Daly was killed down, in, um, down near the McVeigh area, I believe. Yeah. Okay, Fishdale, McVeigh, Kensington area. It's Kensington, basically. But back yeah. back then, in the early 90s, it was um, a lot of white people still lived there, and Hispanic people were moving in. There was a kind of a little bit of a friction. The neighborhood was changing. Some of the people, not saying it was right, weren't accepting. Uh, long story short, a uh, Puerto Rican kid uh, killed the Sean Daly. And it, and it was the first real race tension issue that I can remember as a kid in high school. Yeah, I mean, I guess we had the, the Freddie Adams one to it, North. That was in what? Or maybe it was the Freddie Adams. I might be getting it wrong. But there was two incidents down there. And the point is, 
It got bad, but people jumped in. People tried to stop it. People tried to help it. And eventually yeah. it, it Well, it I mean, people down. were outraged. That's the difference. People were outraged. Well, that, now, look, I'm, outrage doesn't necessarily equate to change. But I think you had, you know, a couple of these murders in the 90s. And they were, you know, it was neighborhood violence or high school versus high school, stuff like that. Um, and, and I think people said, whoa, we don't like this. You know, let's do something about it. And again, not to say it was successful. There's still crime, still problems. But it's now this stuff but, happens and it's almost like no one gives a right. shit. Nobody cares. Like It's just another day. Like you expect this. And it's that desensitization to this violent crime that's, that's really dangerous. This, if you're desensitized to this, it's, it's bad. And that's the point. Like when we were going through that, that was our first real interaction with, you know, like, oh, shit, a kid has been murdered. Yeah. And yeah. people are I mean, not happy look, about it. Yeah. And then we fast forward a few years right when we got get out of high school. The kid, Eddie Pollock, was murdered. Now, I, I'm a little shocked that that story hasn't become like um, a documentary or someone made a movie about it because it was fascinating. It captured the entire city and the suburbs of Philly because they were connected oh, at that moment. It was, so, where was that? It was in Fox Chase, right? So what happens was, and this was, again, what we were just talking about, neighborhood kids all in their area. So Eddie Pollock and his friends were in the... Fox Chase section of Philadelphia, which even today is a good neighborhood. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I got a lot of attention, too. I mean, right. You know, when bad stuff happens in Kensington, you kind of expect it. When bad stuff happens in these nicer neighborhoods, it gets it's a know, little, It's attention. a little shot. And especially 20-plus years ago, uh, it's got to be at least 25 years ago, um, it was even more, you know, insane to think of, like, oh, my God, this actually happened? So what happens? And I'm just remembering the details off the top of my head. Well, I mean, I'm reading. I'm reading it right here. Go ahead and read it. Before 10 p.m., caravan, I guess, arrives at McDonald's. Its passengers jump out and begin chasing every fox chase youth they saw with broken off hockey sticks and baseball bats. So I guess it's, you know, groups of. And when was this? What year? Neighbors. This says this is in. Uh, November of like 95 or 6? 94. November okay. 11th, 94. So that would have been, you know, we're still in, in high school at that point or freshman high school. No, well, well, that would have been your third freshman year of high school. Like yeah. my 19th. No, we <laughs> graduated. Yeah. You were I mean, a senior yeah. then. Where did we graduate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seniors. Yeah. Never mind. Jeez, um, how many degrees do you have? Well, I, I have multiple dates to remember. You just have one whenever you got. The Anywho, DVD continue with the story. Well, what I was. No, I mean, you know, this is what it's saying. It's uh, let's see. Adding to the controversy. All this was carried out by a band of mixed race youth from neighboring Montgomery County's upscale Abington Township. That's not upscale, by the way. Well, I mean, I guess back then it would have been. So if Abington Township, it's like a raiding gang of rich kids are moving into Fox Chase. It's a bit a bit strange, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing that made it big news is when he, he gets killed on the, the steps of a church. Yeah. Right. They beat so, him I mean, to that's, death right there. Yeah. On the steps of a church. I mean, that's particularly heinous and particularly kind of terrible. Um, it looks like there might've been some delay in the police getting dispatched and stuff like that. But I mean, we had this stuff happen to us, the same exact stuff. I mean, do you remember being down on Simon street and cars full of people rolling up on either ends from Germantown or somewhere? We had an incident and rolling where- up on us. Yeah, and there was like six of us and like two cars full of people. It was, I, 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 it was, it was still Ray, a, Ray, me, you. Oh no, it had to do with an ex girlfriend of mine. Yeah, your I, fault. I won't name her, um, uh, but long story short, it was just like an ugly teenage breakup. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah. Nothing crazy, and 
Amelia, neighborhoods. Hold on. <laughs> if you remember, Amelia and her got in a fight, mm-hmm. and Amelia winds up beating her up, and we all go back around the corner, hang on the corner like we all did, and then all of a sudden, with like an hour later, we see like these cars drive down the street, like three yeah, car loads drive down, yeah. and then I still remember it was an Asian kid comes yeah. walking over. And it was me, you, Ray, I think your brother. There was a couple kids. No, Carl was there. Carl. Joey's brother, Carl. That's right, Carl Schmidt. Me, Ray, Ray, you, Carl. And the, a kid walks over and goes, where is so-and-so? And we're like, who? What? And all of a sudden, at a corner eye, where he came from, there was like 10 dudes behind him. Yeah. We get ready to go run, and there was like 30 dudes coming up. The al- we were blocked. So we we're like, yeah. Wow, whatever. So they all come like in front of us. It was me, Ray. Um, I don't remember who else was where. Oh, somebody tried taking Amelia's jacket. Well, they try to take people's sweatshirts and hoodies. And right. They're like, I, your Falcons one I just got. And I was like, nah. Not and everybody was like, no. Mark Omdelin was like, give them your shit. They're bad dudes. They're bad dudes. Yeah, yeah, we used to break that. his balls. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. You know, bless his yeah, soul. Man. But. We were yeah. like, and we weren't giving I'll, it I'll up. I'll never forget. I had a brand new Falcons hoodie on. When you used to have those script like sports hoodies, like the you know different ones. I had the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. one on. The starter jerseys, the yeah, starter yeah. hoodies. Uh, yeah. Great, great, great hoodies, <laughs> by the way. So yeah. we're standing there, and all of a sudden, dude pulls out like a fake BB gun, mm-hmm. and you knew it was a BB gun, and puts it to Ray, and is like, "Give me your shit." Ray's like, "No, dude, slugs yep. Ray." Ray Ray. He didn't even move. Ray Ray yeah. didn't even budge. Like, the dude's hand might have broke. Yeah, he, I was standing right next to Ray. I remember that. Yeah. And a, and a guy runs by, grabs the back of my jacket, tries ripping it off of me. I fall to the ground. He falls. He lets the jacket go, but my fucking chain broke. Yeah. Guy tries to pick it up. Ray kicks the fucking dude. Like, I'll give yeah, Ray every, all the credit. Every, Ray was... Started- all half in. of the, half and, of the people start fighting, and the other half ran. Right, half of <laughs> yeah, it was me, you, the, Ray, the Ray. Slow stood. dude stayed in four, and the other guys ran. Yeah. Point was, they go and they take off. Now back to the Eddie Pollock situation. That could have been something like that. I mean, that's it how it been. starts. That's how you it know, starts. Neighborhood, and they were all from like Olney. It's where they were from. Yeah. So yeah. this kid, this poor kid's doing the same thing. Like he ran away. Like a bunch of the kids did up there. I believe he ran away with his brother. And I don't remember all the details. I remember that. And his brother was able to get away. Mm. And they catch him and they beat him with a bat and they fucking kill him on a, on a church steps at, um, I forget the name of the school right there. Mm. What is the name of the church? I'm trying to see it here. I don't see. What's so the, name of the, church? the cops come. They figure out who it is. It's four kids that get locked up. I believe it's two black kids and two white kids that get arrested. And they were, I, I remember it vividly because they got out on bail because they were still juveniles, I believe. And they were charged yeah, as adults, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they get out, they get out on bail because I remember parents upset. People in uh, Northeast Philly were furious because these Abington kids are getting out because they get to spend time with their family at home during the holidays. Mm-hmm. I remember they got out for Christmas. At least most of them did. Um, and then I think they wound up either pleading guilty. I don't know if they're found guilty or pled. Well, it says one of them turned state's witness, I guess. So one of the kids, uh, another defendant, the grandson of a retired uh, police officer, 
who was not under Peruto's representation because he struck a deal with the prosecution to be a star witness. So I'm guessing they probably all then tried to cut deals after, you know, your friend gives you up. Sure. Unless they went after. I, I, think they, I think they wound up doing like getting like 10 years. I did try to follow up. You know, I'm going to reach out to somebody. Let me see here. So I think this story needs to be told and it really needs to be really told. Yeah. It was it was a it was oh, crazy. Got a couple here. Let's see. Max sentence of 15 to 30 for third degree murder and conspiracy was reduced to six months. Of the other three defendants found guilty of the same charges, one received 10 to 20 for murder and a consecutive five to 10 for conspiracy. Well, that's that's you know, it's probably going close to 30, 25, 30. They're all out. Third sentence from 15 to 30. Yeah, one but they're, man they're found all guilty out of jail. Voluntary manslaughter got eight to 20. They've been all out of jail for a long time. Mm. So, um, the point of that story is, is a teenage kid was murdered in the streets of Philadelphia in Northeast Philly, and people were in an uproar. They weren't allowing this. They were bitching and moaning and screaming to the high heavens. Right now, we've had 150-some kids killed, I believe, or shot. Mm -hmm. How many of them have died? And nothing changes. You're going to put the same fucking idiot people back at city council. You're going to... Whoever the next fucking mayor is, that's going to be, you know, That'll be another bum. I mean, you you're know, going to put corruption. that bum in. Who's not going to change anything? The next district attorney, which is going to be Krasner, because unfortunately, a Republican has no shot of winning here. It's going to happen over and over. So, and we'll still act shocked when we see these things happen, right? Well, I still, we'll act, still act shocked, shocked because you know still, what the results are. We're fucking, we're responsible, sane human beings to see a fucking innocent man killed on his way home. It's yeah. just and now potentially a kid too. I mean, two people and a potentially kid. dead for not having nothing to do with the fight, not fighting nobody, not doing nothing. I mean, and this is the same thing that happened in Texas, right? Uh, that school shooting, essentially. Some kids got in a fight at school. Kid comes back, shoots the place up. I mean, same kind of thing. I don't understand. The only difference is in this case, it's his brother or cousin or you know friend doing it for him. I do believe that there needs and there needs to be a law put in place, but they won't do it because again, it's going to hurt a certain community. Where a lot of this is happening. Like, people are afraid to just say the truth. The truth of the matter is, it's a lot of black kids killing each other. Well, I mean, if you like, look at homicide rates, it, I mean, most most murder in general is intra-racial. That, you know, whites kill whites, blacks kill blacks. So it's just generally what it is. I mean, a lot of it is just demographics. Who do you kill? The people that are closest to you and around you. So who tends to be around you? Usually people that look like you, depending on where you live. So, I mean, it's not really surprising you see these numbers. It's kind of, it's a shame that you can't discuss it freely and openly though and say well what can we do you know i mean a lot of a lot of communities would rather focus on the point zero 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 one percent of people shot by cops right probably more people killed by alligators each year mm -hmm. um, and not focus on the real violence that's in the streets within our own communities and you know we failed at this for decades because it's much easier to point the finger outward and say somebody's doing this to me it's somebody else's fault it's a lot harder to reflect and say what's going what's going on in our communities how are we failing our kids that they're out here doing this shit yes. uh, and you can't have those conversations you can't even have them in college you know i mean i work at a university you can't have these conversations in, at, at a university or I'll have you turned into the diversity board and you'd be fired it's and i've seen people take heat for um doing nothing reading stats or saying asserting facts and you get screamed at and let me tell you who terrifying. wants and let me tell you who wants this conversation see the people in north philly the people in west philly the ones that are people, living yeah. on the blocks where all these kids are being killed or killing who's, each other whose children are being killed and they're they dealing don't with give violence, a shit about who identifies as a man or a woman they don't care about what your pronouns are they don't care about any of that we worked it 
We worked the streets. I worked on blocks where there was two crack houses that just burned down the night before. There's a new one open with 10 people in there. And there's a single mother with four kids who can't get them out. You have more pressing needs, right? You have more pressing needs than the stuff, the elites, the rich elites and the, the, the intellectuals and the ivory tower. You know, we have the luxury of being offended by stupid bullshit. Where if you lived in these neighborhoods where there is real crime, there is real How violence, about, there is real poverty, that should offend you. Not That's even live. Not to say you can't be offended down. by other stuff, but, well, I mean, I show videos of Kensington all the time, right? And I think to a lot of people, they see it and think, is this, this is in America? You say, yeah. And they say, why aren't the cops locking up? I said, you can't. It's literally everybody. And this is at noon, right? It's broad daylight. Imagine what it's like at four in the see? morning. I tell you, and I think it was a good strategy that we had. Like we used to lock up the hookers and the and the drug users, and we would do it to get a lot of our warrants off the books. And although it, it to well, me, we there were sources of information. I didn't really care well, about the warrants. But there I mean, was two things you, about it. They it could was, lead you to much bigger fish. But the point was, we would lock them up, and we were yeah. we were helping them. They may not have wanted to go to jail that well, night. But we I mean, were putting them in a safer. Oh, we were putting them in a safer environment and giving mm-hmm. them an opportunity for those three or four days or a week that they were in. They were getting clean. They were getting better. Uh, to just sit back right now and ignore them and allow them to just do whatever and not even give, even if it's a little harsh of a help, mm-hmm. you know, of a helping hand. Who cares? It's a helping hand because you're not doing anything else. You've literally, the city has literally said, I'm ignoring this. I'm done. I don't care. We are not going, they are literally doing, I'm closing my eyes to the situation. See, I, I guess least, I view it differently. We had, you, we helped. It wasn't what they wanted. It was forced a little bit, but I, I don't, I don't even view it as helping. I mean, I think, dude, did some people get a positive benefit from being locked up and away from the drugs and those kind of things? Sure. sure. You know, I'm sure they do. But I mean, I, I never went out in, out there in the streets thinking that I was a social worker or I was there to help. No, people. but I didn't I mean, the feel people bad. that I thought I was helping. The people I thought I was helping was the, the hardworking people, the honest citizens that work in these neighborhoods. And you got to deal with this bullshit. Well, it went I two mean, ways. You know, we, we grew up in a not the greatest neighborhood. And there was probably people from our neighborhood. You wish the cops would have locked these cats up and took them away so you could have a normal a night, a normal night to sleep. Yeah, of course. Just right. That. So, I mean, I guess that's how I viewed it. I viewed it a little differently. I looked at it now, if you happen to help them, if you happen to help them, bonus. But if you don't, I mean, I guess I wasn't really. No, thinking I, much I, of it I looked at angle. it the same way you did. As there's people that need our help to get these people yeah. out of the crack house, we locked them up, sent them away. But there was also people that we locked up thirty times that we liked them. They were we. Yeah. They were nice people. They Listen, were just in I mean, hell. And I would we, remember we have people like that down in Kensington. And look, under another circumstance, it might be somebody you watch the Eagles game with right. and drink a beer, but or a girl you, you know, would date or something, and you would yeah, say, yeah, "Hey, listen, but it is what it is." I'm locking you up tonight, even though you've helped me ten times before. I'm yeah. locking you up because at least I know tonight you're not going to have an overdose and you're not going to die mm-hmm. in jail. You're going to mm-hmm. be sick. It's going to suck, but at least maybe this is the night where you say, "You know what? I'm done with this shit." And it's happened yeah, where people yeah. turned it around. People, people um, can be saved. You know, but I, I just, you know, we're going to wrap it up early tonight here. So I um, I wanted to just, I, I had to vent about this because it's unacceptable. I, like I said, I know the poor kid, is, I, she's such a sweet little girl, Um, almost had her come play for me at high school. But, you know, she goes to Hubert's where it's easier for her to be and her family to travel sure. to, which I understood. Um, Great kid, great family. Just that, just knowing that happened, and 
to the kid that was killed. I don't. They haven't really said much about him, and that's the other weird part about it. I'm up in mm-hmm. arms because I kind of knew the family. You know, I, I knew the guy well, a little another bit. Victim there, another young life. But there's another teenage kid who's going to be who's going to be dead, and it's going to be what? Just another another statistic. It's fucking maddening, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but listen, I wanted. To, oh, I, real quick, I want to end it sort of positive and funny. So I went on. Twelve seconds of positive won't undo the last forty-five minutes. No, it won't. <laughs> but listen, I want anybody that's listening to this. I want you to, if you're ever interested in doing a ghost hunt, a ghost tour, go to Ghost Hunt USA on Facebook. They um have, I think, forty-five plus or forty-five locations across the country where you can go. You can go to the Conjuring House, um, all these abandoned prisons, and you know, asylums and stuff. I did one out near um, out west in Pennsylvania this weekend. I did it, and it was pretty awesome. It was cool. You're there. We were there with a lot of people, so you didn't have that real. I didn't have that thrill because I left before um, you were able to go on a solo tour. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to be working. With did they know your ghost hunt royalty? They didn't give you the special tour. Well, I got. Uh, I'm actually going to be a part of it. I'm actually, what the hell was that? I'm going to actually uh, work with this group. Go to. Um, Different places across the country. I can't wait. But it's Ghost mm-hmm. Tours or Ghost Hunt USA. They do all these ghost tours against all these amazing places. If you're ever interested, check it out. It was it was awesome. I have uh, footage. I put some on my Twitter. Um, you know, so since we're getting close to the Halloween time, I figure I'd share yeah, that little story. It was, it, was, wow. it was actually pretty good. We went this massive um, crescent... What was it? Crescent Asylum, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, sanatorium. And it was just an old prison that dubbed as a TB hospital back in the day. Yep. And it was it was pretty wild in there, man. It was... Uh, yeah, those places scare me, man. I know. I know they do. There's spiders. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I ain't going to nowhere with no, spiders. I don't. Spiders don't bother me at all. They literally don't bother me. Snakes... I'd rather fight, I'd rather fight an alligator. I'd rather end my life me. than deal with a snake. I'd just say, you know what? See a world. I'm out. I'm a fan of snakes either. <laughs> so, but spiders don't bother me. Um, yeah. So, uh, check that out. Also, I'm going to give a little fucking self plug here. Check out Ghost Hunters Season public. 4, Episode 13. That's the episode I was on at Fort Delaware. There were great, um, great stuff caught on camera, uh, some noise, you know, uh, an apparition on a thermal camera. Check it out. Since we're around the Halloween a, time. Gave me a, a lot of great ammunition to leave voicemails on your phone. You can. Really I don't ever answer it anyway, so <laughs> go right. And I don't listen to them, just like I tell Mangino all the time. I left you a three-minute voicemail. Like, that was three minutes too long because I don't fucking listen to my voicemails. <laughs> you know, so. But, oh, um, for, you won't be here on Saturday. I'm going to do a Saturday special. This Saturday? Yes. Yes, I'll be at a beer festival. With? The local Northeast legend, Father Judge Hall of Famer, former Major League pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, the one and only Mr. Bobby File will be joining me. All right. Um, get that. I, I, I need a little, we need a little break from our mm-hmm. hell of a world. We are going Listen, to. Listen, you got to ask him one thing for me. Go ahead. If he's a dude from the Northeast, roughly our age, playing for the Blue Jays had to have been hell. Right. I well, mean, after the Joe Carter thing, that had to be like, ah, it'd be like getting drafted by the Cowboys. So right? be anybody, to do it, anybody, it would be that, tough. You got to ask him. I'll ask him. Anybody <laughs> that is familiar with Bob, 
And if you, you know, followed his career, because we used to follow all the local guys, like Scott and Hunter and all them, because the Daily News used Bobby to post Higginson. them. Yeah, we would follow them. They were living our dreams. Yeah. But yeah. when his first game ever at the vet, he pitched, mm-hmm. and he plunked Travis Lee. Scott Rowland hit, got a uh, rip off him. The next batter is Travis Lee, plunked him, got tossed out of the game. And oh. so he talked about it on um, – and if you want to hear a great podcast, Mike Sappho, dude, is amazing. New York Philly cop, or New York Philly, <laughs> New York cop, who um, has great guests on his podcast. Bobby was on there. I'm going to ask him about when he got his phone call for, uh, you know, his call up. The call up. It's a great yeah, story. I'm going to save it. So that'll be coming on Saturday. All right, professor. Hopefully, this world gets a little bit better after today. But I doubt hey, it. Hey, man, you can hope, right? That's all we can do. Talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Right, it, brother. Stay safe.